if I were to ask you, what's your best moment on the court? And tell me two moments outside of the sport that you feel like those are the best moments of my life. And almost everybody, actually everybody that has ever described that to me in a true sense has talked about moments where like nothing else in the world matters. Mm. And they're completely absorbed in that moment. And when we're in that space, there's no room for negativity. Like the vision is so strong. The mission is so strong. It's like, I'm not, I can't get in the minutia of like, oh, I just missed a shot or I just missed my serve. It's like, yes, and let's go. I can't wait for the next one. Today's guest on the Mindset Coach Academy is Courtney Thompson. Courtney is such a badass in the mindset coaching world and in the volleyball world and in general. She was a two-time Olympian, Olympic medalist on USA Volleyball, and she is currently the assistant coach at Stanford University, but she's also been a mindset coach for a company called Compete to Create, and so she has learned mindset coaching as herself, as, a, as an elite athlete, and she's also taught it. And so she has some really great insight. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Just a few things that I think were just so insightful. She talked a lot about her routines as an athlete, as an Olympic athlete. What are the things she actually did on a day-to-day basis that I think you're going to really like? And also the four key skills that she learned as an elite athlete to get to that next level and to really enjoy the process of playing under pressure in things like the Olympic Games. Um, There was one thing that we talk about about midway through the episode and at the end that I think was, it's like this exercise that I've heard before and I've I've sort of done some, you know, iterations on it, but I really, really cannot wait for you to hear this exercise that she's going to teach about learning to control the, the, learning to control the controllables and let go of the uncontrollables. You're really, really going to like this, whether you do it for yourself or people that you leave. So Um, Without further ado, Courtney Thompson. Hi, guys, and welcome to Mindset Coach Academy podcast. My name is Lindsay Wilson, obviously, and I am here with Courtney Thompson. Hi, Courtney. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I have this whole list of things that I want to talk to you about. And of course, we just chatted a little bit offline. Um, You know, I think one of the things that I just I just want to dive right in, I already uh, talked about your bio and all the amazing things you've done. And Courtney was an Olympian and now she's uh, assistant volleyball coach at Stanford and you're such big time. I mean, you really are. And I, I think one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is not only are you big time and been so successful on the court and off, but you are able to talk about it in a way that's really relatable and vulnerable. And I'm just really excited for that and for our conversation today for all of our listeners. So I just want to Shout out to you for for being that way. I think it's just so, so awesome. Thank you. I, uh, I've already been geeking out about our conversation earlier, so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in. All right, let's do this. All right, so I really want to, I mean, obviously, this is the Mindset Coach Academy. We talk about mindset, all things mindset. We sit in the student chair and we nerd out on mindset. And a lot of our listeners are coaches, maybe some are parents, leaders. A lot of them have a sports background. And I think you know, thinking about your mindset journey as an athlete, as uh, now a coach, as a human, and just thinking about if you could sort of start from wherever you want to start, and obviously that would be in, in, as an athlete, I think, but where have you worked on your mindset? Where have you struggled with your mindsets? Where has your mindset journey sort of taken you, if you yeah, could yeah. go into that? Ooh. That's a good question a big, and a big and question. I know. Yeah. Well, cut me off if I start rambling, but I think the, you know, one of the, the first places my mind goes to is when I was younger, uh, when I failed or when I didn't get what I wanted, you know, and when I was in high school, I wasn't the tallest or the best, but I worked really hard and I was a little bit obsessive. So I won a lot. And when I didn't, the my response to that was I will double down on what got me good. And that was hard work. So Mm. I would do more. And when I got to college, it was the same. And, you know, typically that worked out for me in high school and in college, especially the first few years, that was the case. 
we would lose and I would work, you know, extra workouts, extra reps. And that would help me. And, and I remember my college coach, Jim McGoffin, like telling me, Hey, the best in the world know how to rest. And it's mm. not always about doing more. And it really wasn't, it didn't sink until I was on the USA team after my first Olympics, you know, I kind of continued that pattern. Um, and it wasn't until then that I met a, um, a guy named Michael Gervais, who mm -hmm. now runs Finding Mastery and worked with the Seahawks. And I worked with him at Compete to Create. And he came in and just said, you know, there's three things you can train as a human, your body, your craft, and your mind. And it was the first time that I understood in that way that you could, you could literally train your mind in the same way that I approach training my body with intention, looking at my weaknesses, and with discipline over and over and then getting reps doing it, you know? Mm. And, yeah. and that completely changed my relationship with unknowns and challenge and comparing myself to others in a way, like, I feel like I would read a book when I was younger. Like I read Mind Gym, you know, and I, yeah. I listened to everything I could find about Phil Jackson and the Bulls. And I was a nerd for that stuff as a kid, but it didn't sink in. And I didn't create the, the lasting habits, I think, until I was on the USA team. And then I guess what I want to say since then, uh, competing in the Olympics with this knowledge was way different than without it. And it propelled me to want to like, you know, teach this stuff and, and share and help kids, you know, do better than I did and, and struggle, struggle less <laughs> than I did in that, in that space. And what I've learned in like going into, um, you know, with Compete to Create, we, we would go into corporate rooms with thousands of people or an executive team and the things that I wrestled with on the volleyball court of comparing myself or being like, dude, am I good enough to be here? Do I have what it takes to be me in this moment? It was like, they were all coming up again, mm -hmm. you know? And then even as a coach in a, in a sport that I, you know, played in two Olympics in and had a lot of success in, I was like back in the coaching world, like, dude, do I know this answer? Like, are they going to, and it's like your mind, what I've learned is like, it's, um, you have the skills yet we have to train them in every context. At least I do, you know, yeah. and it takes, um, so I guess, yeah, that's a long answer, but I think it's, um, the skills transfer to everything, which is beautiful. Um, but I, what I've found is that every context I'm in, whether it's with family that, you know, challenging moments or a relationship or a different job, it's like an opportunity to just like retrain and to bring these skills back to life. And there's a, there's a rhythm and like a vibration that a feeling that I have when I'm on it, that is like the best. And I I'm always uh, wanting to tap into that more often. Did you find that rhythm like on accident before, or was it only when you learned sort of this stuff? Oh, um, no. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, could you, did you have, I mean, you obviously were super successful without mental training, yeah. but were you able, like what, like I think about my career and I, I literally wouldn't have played division one without mental training. You were, you did it without, I mean, you, I'm sure you had some skills you so, practiced yeah. without knowing it, yes. right? I think a lot of athletes do, but I'm just wondering if that vibration and that energy that you got from practicing, you know, real mental skills, if you found that before it was just more sporadic or inconsistent, or if it was just sort of after that you got to the, just another level. Do you know what I mean? Totally. That's a really fun question. Yes. I feel like I would hit that feeling. Um, and not in a cocky way, but I think the joy, cause I, I think joy is in that, that feeling. I think mm. I tapped into that more than most people as a high school kid. Yeah. And as far as like, like I would naturally um, be in my room at night and pretend that I just want a state title and just like, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm like, I got chills. Like I got chills just now. Like my I brain, I think was able to do that. But you didn't know you were visualizing, right? Nobody had no idea. Yeah. 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 And getting all these reps of like touching that magic or whatever. Yeah. Um, touching that magic. But then, I love that. And yeah. And like some days with my team, it would all become aligned. The stars would align. And then the next day I'd be like, oh, that's going to happen again. And I'm like, where the hell to go? And so I would do things like eat the same Subway sandwich or listen to the same music, which occasionally helped. But there was the other part where like, as you know, and I know now, 
one piece of doubt would come in or something would happen externally that would start this kind of negative spiral or I would feel tired and then judge myself for being tired or doubt myself and judge myself for being doubtful. So it wasn't always like the actual negative event. It was like how I compiled that by letting myself sit in all that negativity. Um, and it, it propelled me to train a lot because I, you know, anxiety can make us, can help us get really good, but I didn't know how to recreate that moment of flow or just being really present. And uh, that is the thing that I had no idea you could train day to day. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, oh, I had some question about that, but I do want to go to um, what were the actual um, things that you learned? I mean, and from an actionable standpoint, I mean, well, first what I was going to say is I think I'm glad that you said that, th that there is some good with that, like tough as nails mentality. Cause I think a lot of times, I want to talk about that transition because I think when I work with an athlete, oftentimes the biggest, um, what am I trying to say? The biggest struggle for them is letting go of what used to work and got Ooh. them there, but is no longer working. Do you remember that when you sat down with Dr. Gervais or when you were learning these things, you had been super successful being Courtney obsessive, hard on herself, like nothing's ever good enough, fear-based. And it had served you. Yes. What was that like from a, even from an emotional standpoint of deciding that you wanted to try something new? Yeah. You know, what's funny is I remember talking to you about that and you reminding me like, yeah, you're good, but you're telling me you want to be different and you're doing the same things. And you have a very beautiful way of being loving and also like reflecting reality. <laughs> like, you are not in alignment here. Um, well, that's why I love working with athletes because they can take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember listening to Mike talk about confidence for the first time. And he was talking about self-talk and training self-talk mm -hmm. to be productive. And I remember thinking, why is he trying to make me less competitive? <laughs> Ooh. Yes. And if I don't beat myself up, like that's who I've been my entire life. And yeah. I've cared more than everyone I've ever met up to that point about, you know, mm -hmm. working out and eating healthy and training enough that I felt like an outlier in that way. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is me. Like, this is a huge part of me. And the real conversations with you, conversations with Mike, but the helped. And the, the crux of it, I think is like, when you, when I ask athletes now to, articulate what it's like at their best, what they're like at their best. Mm. And if you, if I were to ask you, what's your best moment on the court and tell me two moments outside of the sport that you feel like those are the best moments of my life. And almost everybody, actually everybody that has ever described that to me in a true sense has talked about moments where like nothing else in the world matters mm. and they're completely absorbed in that moment. And when we're in that space, there's no room for negativity. Like the vision is so strong. The mission is so strong. It's like, I'm not, I can't get in the minutia of like, oh, I just missed a shot or I just missed my serve. It's like, yes, and let's go. I can't wait for the next one. And it was when that finally clicked in for me that like responding at a, in a more mature way doesn't make me less competitive. It makes me more. It was like, oh. And then there was like years of me still feeling like I needed to externally pout or scream mm -hmm. or and sometimes it happens naturally. Sometimes it was like, wait, but this, my whole team knows I'm competitive. So I should, probably should be, that was like a weird identity piece to let go. Yeah. Well, it's like when you are that successful, you feel like the reason that you're so successful is because you've been this way. Like, yeah. why would you change? Yeah. I mean, I guess, the, I guess one of the questions is, what was the impetus for changing? I mean, what did you have a sense that you could find that flow more? Was it just so hard at that level that you needed to change? Or were you just getting older and wanting to try something? You know what I mean? Like what yeah. most people don't change unless they're trying to get to more pleasure or avoid some sort of pain, right? So yeah. why did you end up changing? Because you had been successful without that. It's a great, good question. I, I was in a, a really low rut i was in a rut a low rut <laughs> just like <laughs> and nothing that i had previously done was working 
So I was doing, you know, back to that original story, I was doing more and the results were getting lower and lower. I wasn't making rosters. I wasn't traveling and just, I wasn't playing well. I wasn't playing free. I felt really constricted. And then I felt like I was, yeah, yeah. And I I felt like I was pedaling a bike uphill faster and faster and like moving Mm. backwards. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, and I was having no fun. Like I wasn't laughing outside of practice. I wasn't finding any joy. I wanted to quit, like all of those things. And I was like, there's nothing, like I'm either going to quit or I'm going to figure something else out like this what else and um and that's when I really started diving in and um to answer your practical question the four skills that I really jumped into were uh control so like placing my attention on what I could control which required me daily training I I think that was the hardest thing and maybe the biggest shift for me Mm -hmm. um mindfulness which for someone that has a hard time recovering or letting go of things, like I never was really good at winding down. And even just like my whole nervous system to like calm, yeah. you know? And then um, and mindfulness also helped me be more aware of that inner dialogue. So mm-hmm. then I could train because I was aware of it, where I was placing my attention and training confidence. And then um, there's one more that I am blanking on right now, but those are the mindfulness control and confidence were, oh, really big ones. The other one I kind of mentioned, but just being able to generate calm. So in moments that I perceived to be important, <laughs> how could I find that rhythm and flow for me and not run too hot, um, which is my tendency. Mm-hmm, to so push a lot harder. of breath work. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many commonalities between us i'm just like oh yeah that's yeah. pretty much what i did too we're down here give me the ball I'm just, everybody just move out of the way we're just <laughs> sometimes worked but not that often um somebody okay. give me a ball i got some shots to put up that's so funny um okay let's go e- even deeper okay so um and and in i, I want to hear what your like actual day-to-day habits have been routines, how they've evolved. Um, you know, we talked earlier and one of the things we talk about a lot is practicing what you preach, holding the mirror up, going first as a coach, as a leader, as a parent, as a whatever. You want other people to learn mental skills um, and instill them in them being able to do it yourself. Um, but yeah, from a day-to-day standpoint, what are the things, how do you actually work on control and not control, mindfulness. What do you do when you're trying to build confidence and be calm under pressure? Um, yeah, what are, what are the kind of routines that you're doing? And, and have they do they differ now than when you were an athlete? I mean, I'm sure you had pregame routines and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, they do differ quite a bit now. Do you want me to talk about when I was an athlete or just now? Yeah, I would love, yeah, I would love all of it. I'm, I'm just yeah, so I'm loving this. When I started training, I, I mean, six minutes of mindfulness felt like a lifetime, but yeah. it was, a game changer for me. So I would do six minutes. I would wake up in the morning. This is when I was competing on the USA team. And I would do six minutes of mindfulness. I use, you know, you recorded a lot for me that I use pregame, but I had one in the morning that I would use that was more just kind of a feel good, you know, calm, a few breaths, focus on something that you're grateful for. Was it guided or did you do it on your own? I did guided. I use guided. Yeah. Uh, for, so for the morning, I would do like six to 10 minutes of a guided meditation. And then I would get out of bed and do a six minute yoga routine. That was just really nice for me to kind of connect the body and the brain and yeah, get me going before I saw other humans mm-hmm. often on the road, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. I would pregame do a visualization, you know, how five to 15 minutes. And then if I was training, I would do, uh, once I got home from the gym, so we had days that were, you know, you get there at 7.30 and you leave at four. Mm-hmm. And for me to wind down, I would come home and do a, like 10 to 20 minutes of uh, not guided, just kind of music and just let myself really wind down. And mm. it felt scratchy usually and uncomfortable for the first eight minutes. And then it, I just felt this like system sinking in and it was like, okay kind of bookending the day and now yeah. I'm moving like recovery and being yeah. a person outside of this the game. 
those were really profound for me. The, um, the training of control that I did often was writing down, this is very simple, but mm-hmm. I was, we love simple. I struggled love simple. so much with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would write down two columns and I would literally write the thing that was stressing me out. I'm not going to make this roster or they're better than me or the coaches, you know, I'm not playing well. Mm-hmm. And I would write down on the left side, all the things that I could do to get the outcome I wanted that day. Like literally yeah. I can be a teammate. I can get reps. I can work out. I can ice bath. Oh, I, I can this. meditate. Yeah. And then on the other side, I would write down all of the thoughts that were real and important to me, but actually uh, I couldn't control. So what the coaches will say, whether people get kills off the sets that I put up, who's passing against or with me, um, you know, all this stuff, outcomes, yeah. parents, family. And then before I would go to the walk in the gym, I'd rip it in half and throw away the part I couldn't control. Oh my God. And I'm it was loving like, this. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> physical way of me to be like, and you'll also like this because I think you're the same. Some of these m- mental skills, they felt soft to me at first. And so yeah. I would like get angry. Like I would write this list and be like, I won't say it now, a lot of swearing. And I'm like, cause it was, I was mad. My attention was getting distracted by this stuff that, that really mattered to me in my life. Like, am I going to make this yeah. Olympic team? I care a yeah. lot about that, but screw you for distracting me from this set, you yeah. know? And yeah. I did it so much that I would walk in the gym and be like, no, like, screw you, man. Like talking to the paper that I just wrote and be like, no, I'm not going to waste any time on you today. And the more like bullish I got about it, the better I was. And you're using your personality. You're using what your natural. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. When I'm at my best, I'm a little aggressive on the court. So yes. Yeah. Maybe that was it. So you got kind of mad at the thoughts when you were throwing them away. Yeah. And it was kind of just like gaining energy to like, no, 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 not today. Like yeah. you, you're, my brain's doing this thing. Like, screw you. This matters too much for me to, for you to get in the way right now. Yeah. And that, that mentality was really helpful. The, the more anxious and the more kind of like all that stuff, all that noise was building up for me, the more I, I countered it by being aggressive and it, it was helpful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. I think that's good stuff. I mean, I love that last exercise. I mean, you know, I've, I've taught it and I've done it in other ways as far as like, you know, burning the piece of thoughts that aren't helping you or throwing things away. And, um, you know, as a, as a hypnotist, I know you, we've done some guided imagery and metaphor work. Like those metaphors are really powerful. I mean, clearly it's not just a metaphor. You're actually throwing it away, but that physical act, um, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, but it's not just, you know, and so I think that's really, really cool. And something that, um, something actionable that we can all do. And of course, you know, I love all that little actionable things that. Yeah. I, I'm also like, I'm curious, maybe what you think about this, but you sent me, and this is when I started doing the most, you sent me personalized visualizations Mm -hmm. when I was overseas and I was really struggling and started to work with Mike on this stuff. And then I was like, okay, yes. And I I want something a little more me. Mm -hmm. So you, you had sent me a few and I remember doing them in my room before games. And what, when I was at my best, I was tapping into the feeling that I got when I was like touching that magic, but I was Mm -hmm. like laying in bed, just thinking about like putting on my gear, walking into the arena and I think I'm way more of a feeler than most people. So I don't know if that works for everyone, but it really just helped me get rid of all this noise up here and like, no, 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 stay with this and just keep, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Well, I think that, um, you know, we were talking about earlier, part of our certification now is the performance visualization specialist. And it really is one of the most powerful tools our mindset coaches learn because you, you can be working on all this stuff or if you're, if you're lucky enough to work with a mindset coach, whether individually or with your team, you have all this space in between the time you get to work with them. And you're supposed to be working on this stuff on your own. And it's great to have things you know, that are tangible that you can do on a day-to-day basis. And it's also really good to be able to close your eyes and get those mental reps and put, you know, it's not about the coach, they do the guided visualization for you, but you are doing it in your mind and you're reminding yourself that you can touch that magic whenever you want. And like you said, the mental reps of connecting with your mind on a deep subconscious level, I don't think there's anything like it. I mean, you know, I'm biased because that's what I do both in my coaching and what I teach our mindset coaches in the academy. But 
Um, I'm really happy to, I've actually kind of forgot. I remember doing some for you, but that was a while yeah. ago. And um, I used so them nice to for years. Did you? Oh, that's so cool. Oh. Well, that's what my, that's what my coach did for me. And I would, I had a little library of ones that he had done for me and I would use them at different times. And then I had ones that I went to for pregame. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you have this like 10 minutes where you are like in your brain, you have a guide. So you don't have to like, want, your mind doesn't wander. Mm -hmm. and you go wherever you need to go and it's so empowering it is the the cool thing too like I'm sure your coaches uh, you're teaching them which is also really cool because I remember you asking you sent a few and then you were like what words are resonating what are the ideas what are like yeah where do you drop in the most and then you would send another iteration of like all right let's use that and that's a really fun process to be in as an athlete and now you know, when it's like, oh, because if I'm able to answer that, I'm really aware, yeah. you know, and then as a coach, it's also really fun for me to get to help other people like, hey, where, where are you dropping in? And I think that's so important. The, I, the thing I get kind of fired up about now, and as it relates to this, and I'm curious your thoughts, is that, you know, we talk about front loading mental skills a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, if we don't do this stuff and then the night before the game, you call and say, Hey, Lens, I'm struggling. You can help mm -hmm. a little, but it's like, Oh, I forgot mm -hmm. to squat. Let me go get strong the night before the game. <laughs> like it doesn't, you're going to yeah. be tired. Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And, and, um, I think that when you're really stressed and you're so in it that your whole nervous system is responding in a way that feels like you're flooded, you can't think your way out of that. Mm -mm. so when we tell kids to calm down or like hey just focus on this it works in a classroom and we can gain skills to do that more efficiently and I know you know this I'm just saying I didn't think of it this way before mm -hmm. but if our whole system is flooded it's hard to go to thoughts and mm -hmm. so when we're tying in more of the like um, somatic stuff and like oh my breath and this is how I actually calm down. And then I can put my attention here. To me, that's really fascinating. And I, I almost naively would teach thoughts to like, oh, just do this, this. Like, and um, I think now I, I have more awareness around like, oh yeah, that's really hard when we're flooded. I don't know. It, it's interesting because I went through um, some trauma this summer. I'll tell you all that off offline. But I remember talking to my therapist and she was like, you know what, sometimes when you're in trauma or fight or flight and your sympathetic nervous system gets activated, there's nothing you can do except on the physical side, right? Yeah. Like you're, you have to, you, like you said, you can't think your way out of it. Um, you have to go back to the body. And, mm -hmm. and that's why I love hearing about like calming the nervous system. And, and she was talking about, you know, cold showers. And obviously a lot of us go to working out to control our parasympathetic nervous system um, and breathing. And, and so I think one, there, there's always that mind-body connection I think is really important that athletes really get, because you're right. I mean, once you, I was just, I was on a podcast this morning and I was just talking about, yeah, if, a, if it was a softball podcast and we were talking about like, if they miss a ground ball, there's nothing you can say in that moment that is going to help. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sorry, you true. You know, if you haven't practiced some sort of routine, it's gonna be really hard because we we go back to routines and systems. If we've practiced them enough, that's what we can go back. That's what that's our anchor. That's what we can hold on to to um that. to get us out of it. But you're right, I it's too late. That. But the, the training of your, like in that, if you have a system or like, Hey, I do these three things that is calming and you are placing your attention on something and you've repped it. You've done those. I love that. The other, the other natural uh, advantage to being on a team is like connection helps with that. Mm -hmm. And like we were, we, you and I were talking about before this idea of like coaches embodying what we're preaching and mm -hmm. that's sometimes easy and sometimes really hard now that I'm the, on the coaching side I'm like oh I get it now this is not easy when you care a lot and you've invested a lot yeah um but being able to like, like for you now well I just think 
you, what reminded me is like, there are moments where there's, well, first of all, there's a lot of timeouts in volleyball and challenges take like 20 minutes. Like there's a lot of time you have, well, it feels like you don't have time with your athletes, but also there are pockets of, it's like, there's only so many things we can say, you know, mm -hmm. and as a young athlete in a huddle, it's like, blah, 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 you're saying all of these things. And it's like, stop, like get, yeah. get, come from this place. Like, what's the one thing we want to say right now? We don't have mm -hmm. to like, just say a lot. But what I've found is, um, to be really helpful is these moments of physically connecting or, you know, eye contact mm -hmm. and taking breaths together or just like holding it or calming for a minute, like, hey, you know, that natural pause you have when you're really grounded and feeling like calm and like connected to the vision and the mission. It's like, I got you. Do this one thing. You're going to be fine right now. I need you to do this. Something like that. Or like even like just standing shoulder to shoulder to an athlete rather than like face to face, you know, and like yeah, coming yeah. up at practice and hey, what do you think about this? Or what are you feeling on this? And just like little, little moments um, to find a different way to connect rather than just words. I'm not saying I'm good at this. I'm talking about this like I'm on it all the time. I just <laughs> noticed myself being like, wow, I just said something that there's that doesn't even make sense. Like there were times I would like come off the bench and say something and be like, what? I don't even know what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. You know, or like that came out really wonky or there's just only, only so many things you can say in a game. Well, yeah. I mean, I think our dependency on words is, uh, I remember my high school coach, I was laughing about like how many times you were in the huddle and you know, you're like do ABC and the, the athletes go out and do X, Y, Z. And it's just like, <laughs> they did, awesome you know what I mean? And it, and I think, but but back to like the the fight or flight response. I mean, it, don't you think so much of that is the feeling of safety, right? Like I'm getting a high five. Someone is looking at me. Everything's gonna be okay. The saber tooth tiger isn't gonna kill me right now because that's what it feels like. I mean, I, that's got that's got to be part of it, right? I mean, that's where that's why breathing helps. I would imagine that's why some of that other stuff is so yes. uh, helpful because those, those and feeling yep. like you can be yourself and that's celebrated and I'm free to make mistakes. Like, so I'm free to make mistakes. hundred percent agree. Well, you know, there's that research on the NBA teams um, that they could like correlate their success with how many times they high-fived or, you know, did fist really? bumps. I like that. Yeah. There's some research on that. Um, but I love that. And okay. So you brought up failure though. And that, that idea of, psychological safety right there's that's a big thing in society but i want to talk about that from a sports perspective and from a coaching perspective it's a little bit of a segue but it's all i mean this is all such mindset stuff and you mentioned that and i think i actually had it on my list like the two things that i think are really important from a, a mindset standpoint are how do you prepare to be successful prepare your mind to be successful prepare your subconscious mind to be successful and how do you deal with failure and i'm, I'm interested in and on how Courtney Thompson does that, first of all. And then I'm also interested in how you coach that. Ooh, that's a good question. Okay. Like how do you how do you, I mean how do how do you prepare yourself to be successful in, in your life? Is there anything that you do? Is there I mean you're a driven you're a very driven person and you've been really successful. What kind of mindset yeah. stuff do you do? I mean, you said you visualized as a young girl. Oh, yeah. and, so now you know. okay. Yeah, I do um for me, the, the foundation of mindset skills for me is uh, meditating. And I think that can look a lot of different ways for people. But in my experience, there are so many traps to looking externally for answers. And there's so much wisdom if we are able to sit still mm -hmm. and get really clear on this actually feels right to me. And this is yes. what I want. Or there's some sort of dissonance for me right now. And maybe that's mind tone. Maybe it's something I'm, I'm picking up. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But to me, that's been kind of the work now as a coach is let me get myself aligned so that I can show up fully engaged and giving and loving and all that stuff. It takes a lot of discipline. Well, it's so counter to what we've always been taught, it right? Like so actually, counter. Courtney, you spent your whole life doing a lot, do, do less. In fact, do don't less. do nothing. <laughs> yes, it's, it's incredible. And I, I will say one of the things that I've noticed or 
the gap that I've missed on one of the biggest gaps I've missed on as a coach. So I, I was coaching clinics before mm-hmm. of all ages, kids and coaches. And then I jumped into coaching at Stanford. So 18 to 22 year old young women. And I would ask questions like, what did that feel like? And they would respond like, well, this happened. And I'm like, yeah, but what did it feel like? And they're like, well, I saw this and did this. I'm like, yes. And go further but the last like the it's what I've learned is like I think it's really challenging and I almost forgot how long that took me as an athlete to be aware Mm. and I've made a career of being aware of my thoughts and feelings and emotions and like teaching this stuff I was like I was kind of blown away by like I'm like wow and I I think a lot of it has to do with our environment right now and Mm -hmm. phones and you yeah. know, even to get into college is like all these external pressures. Sorry if that's a deviation. No, but, no, no, this is great. But, but it's, it's um, I think there's a huge uh, opportunity for coaches to continue being more aware of ourselves and also for the athletes to just in- improve that self-awareness. And I also remember talking with uh, Tamara Mishiro, who's my best friend. We played at Washington together and She's the assistant coach on the USA women's volleyball team. Now they just won a gold medal. And two years ago, I remember asking her, what is the biggest challenge you think you see in the athletes? And she said, awareness. Mm -hmm. So I think as coaches, I've struggled with and trying to be better at asking better questions and then giving them time to improve their awareness because like we learn how to coach confidence and I just want to dive into thoughts, but most young kids have never once considered what are their thoughts like? Like I, when I ask someone, what are the, what have the nature of your thoughts been like today? I bet you could answer that because you've committed your life to being on this path and you're around it. You talk about it, you live it, but that's a really hard question for people. They're like, what do you, what does that even mean? You know? Are they slow? Are they fast? Did you, do you feel light? Do you feel heavy? Mm -hmm. Are you out here? Are you kind of in your own experience? And um, anyway, I think that's uh, for me, the biggest pillar. It's such an Um, interesting, um, I love that answer because, uh, you know, so many people, when you ask about like how they plan for success. It's like, well, you know, New Year's Day, I write down all my New Year's resolutions and I have a vision board. And hey, I'm into all that stuff. Like I think that stuff's great. Same. Um Same. but um the idea that one of the pillars to your success is finding that space to to essentially listen to yourself, right? I mean that's kind of what you're saying. And that maybe your athletes aren't, they don't have that space or they, you know, they don't have that practice of finding that space. I like that. They don't have that practice. I think so. And I, yeah. I think for them to, to be able to, like we talked at the beginning, like they all at this level have touched some, the magic, you know, mm-hmm. it's just about like, how do we recreate it more often? And when it's not there, which is 90% of the time, what do we do then? Like, how can we be our best in that, you know, all those moments? And I think it is a disservice to not talk about uh, being more aware because that's like, how do we train any of this stuff? And just from a, a personal standpoint, you know? Well, I'm like, also wondering if they're kind of scared of some of those thoughts too. Like, is it okay to be nervous? Is it okay to fail and feel like I don't belong here? And you know, like all those, and that was kind of my next thing about like, how do you deal with failure? But I think some of that comes down to like the shame of, let's call them negative thoughts, right? Do you see any of that or? Yes. I'm making that up. No, hundred percent. I think uh, there's a, a trap to success and imposter syndrome and comparing yourself to others. Those are like the three I see a lot, especially at a place like, um, yeah. Well, anybody at a high level, yeah. but you know, at Stanford, yeah. there's a different uh, type of person that's able to get into Stanford. I'm not one of them, you know, but <laughs> just either. like, but, um, um, you're, oh, so fear of failure. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's rampant and it's strong. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of kids these days are getting tons of praise for all of these external outcomes, which is great. 
but it's like, I, I think the measure for me is like, if, if we're get if we're winning, let's say in a, as a coach or as an athlete and your first feeling is relief or you get a kill at the end of the game. And it's like, thank God that's over. Instead of like a celebratory, like, dude, we did it a joy. I think we're missing. Mm-hmm. And to me, yeah. that's a, a sign of like, I'm constricting or I'm hopeful. I'm like, uh, not hopeful. That's a good thing, but I'm, I'm have letting fear of failure drive my behavior or I am so tied to this outcome that if I don't get it, my identity is at stake. Mm. And, and the, you know, that requires <laughs> some work. Yeah. You know, looking at you know, what we're doing and why. And um, so for me, I guess, Am I talking too much? Is this? No, I, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm glad you're saying me. Cause I want to hear like, how do you deal with failure or prepare to deal with failure yeah. or work on your thoughts around failure? I mean, it's a hard thing I, as a yeah. driven person. It is hard. And I will say it's been really good for me to be back in the volleyball world because there's all these things as a mindset coach, when I was only coaching clinics that I was like, come like it's not about winning and losing blah 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 and then all of a sudden you're in it you're like oh shit and I'm like yeah like dude I'm in it right now like oh I have great perspective I have mental skills and I'm still kind of in it um so for me it's I am constantly reminded that this is a daily practice Mm. that confidence is a daily practice control is a daily practice um, when, when, and the other one that stands out to me is, uh, when I'm anxious, it's not the anxiety that is killing me. It's like what I do with it. So am I judging myself? Um, you know, or am I like, I'm like, Oh, hi. Okay. There you are. I've, I've seen you mm. before. This means I care and, and lovingly working through it rather than like, you're an idiot. I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> and I, can I tell you a very embarrassing story? Oh, I love embarrassing stories. I'm telling you, Lindsay, I haven't shared this with many people other than my family. And they laughed. I mean, this was after, but they laughed so hard because they couldn't believe this happened. So I'm a two-time Olympian. I was a mindset coach for five years. I'm now coaching at Stanford. And part of my role at Stanford (laughs) is to help the girls warm up. So I'm tossing volleyballs, which I've done for years at clinics. I've never had an issue. And we're in a game that I didn't feel very uh, anxious about. Like, I didn't get anxious about winning games because I, I do feel very convicted. Like, we're in this, we're learning, we're growing. And for whatever reason, I toss the ball to my setter and it goes over the net. And I like, I'm like, oh, that was embarrassing. Okay. The next one's like 10 feet off the net. And so they're looking at me, they, the girls kind of giggling. The next one, I toss over the net. I got like the yips, like straight up. Lindsay, I know I got you guys. It was bad. And, and then I like freaked out and I was like, you're like, I was just beating myself up about it. I was like, you're like, so you're a lump lane. Yeah. Yeah. And the girls are like, dude, aren't you a mindset coach? Like, what are you doing? I was like, oh my God, this is mortifying. But I got like in my head and it was like, I don't know. We don't need to go too far in it, but all this stuff kind of outside of, of coaching that was kind of adding up and just anxiety. And like the, all this stuff. And what I learned from that is it was a very humble reminder that like, we are all in this pursuit of our best. And when you're on yeah. the edge and you're willing to go for it, like you kind of never know when things get tough mm-hmm. and it's, there's no magic. There's no like, Oh, now I, I got it. Now I'm out yeah, of it. It's like, totally. oh, dude, I actually have to get back to practicing these things. And I called, um, a few close friends of mine, one of which is getting her PhD and in psychology is also an Olympian. And she's like, dude, I'm in it too. I'm like, I'm getting my test, you know, I'm doing all these dissertations mm-hmm. and stuff and I'm waking up with my heart rate up. And it was like, oh, so, th- so we don't get immune to this. We just get better at working through it. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. Like, where's the immunity button? Give me that back. Yeah. Well, and like the our perception of pressure and how we do it all changes throughout our life. You know, I mean, you've said it in Olympic games, you know, and like you were okay, but now you have other things and you're doing, you're screwing up and warm up and feeling bad about it. Like it's like a moving target. And, you know, I, I feel like we've all done really hard things and amazing things. And then 
there's another arena, so to speak, in our life where we have to then learn this stuff and practice the stuff and relearn it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, it, but it's, it's humbling yeah. and it, it reminds you that, um, that we all are. And it, it, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about coaches and um, I think sometimes as an adult, you think, well, and I remember talking to a coach about this, like, you know, it's not, you're not struggling to pay your mortgage. It's a game have, you know, and yet yeah. to kids, you know, even like a little league person, a kid, or, you know, like that's a big thing. And, and pressure is our perception of pressure. Yes. Right. It's, and so, um, we all have that fight or flight response. We're all just, yeah. our brains all just trying to survive and keep us safe. It can be and, so great. It's such a bummer sometimes. Yeah. But I like, I love that idea of curiosity though. You know, this idea yeah. of not judging ourselves, uh, for having, not all thoughts are going to be easy or perfect. And, and, and that idea, I think when you have that curiosity, you can kind of step back and say, I mean, I, I feel like I do this sometimes really well because I think of it as, as a mindset coach, you know, like, oh, this difficult thing is actually going to help me coach better because I can kind of look at it and say, well, how is this yeah. react? But other times I'm just in the middle of it. And I, I'm like, it takes me days. Yeah, it's so true. Same. I think you know, back to your question of how or what do I do? I think I'm more efficient at getting to curiosity, um, which is so important. And I'm also more aware of when I resist something. It's like when I first start to get anxious or like, oh, it's starting to get weird again. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do it. And I'm like, that just compounds it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being, you know, so for me that, and then I'm more open with other people. So yeah. like, had this happened to me overseas, it would have been probably six months of wrestling with it by myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, oh, I need to call a few of friends that I know I can trust. And because I know for me, that's like what works, that helps me get through something difficult. Mm -hmm. I have to be overly emotional. I've got to like blurt it out. I got to be, you know, I call, I call it dramatic, but you could just call it being real. And like, the more pragmatic I got about that process, like I need to do something physical because I'm angry, get it out. I need to call people. I need to, and then I need to get to what I can control. Like for me, those are the steps. Mm. And it was kind of, I almost felt like in coaching, I got lazy with it. And then I was like, oh, I just have to do what I, I know how to do this. I just have to be yeah. able to sit with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's so cool to hear how you've been able to take the the things you learned in sports and practiced um you know at a, at a really high level and and are able to translate it to your life which is actually also at a high level but but different yeah thank you it's a that's really cool toggles between feeling very good and just incredibly embarrassing <laughs> well i mean i think that's like um the journey and all of it is, as as again like as leaders people that are listening to this podcast it's like we don't have to have it all figured out we have yeah. to be vulnerable to be on the journey and slog through it. And like I said, hold a mirror up, which a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to talk about the times they weren't able to control their thoughts or the times they felt shame oh. or the times they weren't, they fell on their face. You know, that those are, it's easier to keep those things hidden. Yeah, it's so true. I like what you said uh, before we started recording though, that like when we do that as coaches, it's, it's like everyone can feel it. You know, yeah. and so like when I pretend like I'm good, but like, I know they know, I think they know it's like, oh, we can just be real. It doesn't have to be this thing. It's like, dude, I'm kind of in it and this is why. And so this is what I'm going to do. Let's go. We're all in this together. And I do think that's the, I mean, as athletes, you, you, you're pursuing these unknowns and these challenges and you want to be in it with people that are doing that. And it's a really cool opportunity for coaches, but I do think that takes a high level of confidence. I think it's particularly hard in the athletic world, maybe every world where it's sort of high level people and a lot of pressure. It's like, wait, we're supposed to admit that we're scared or we're supposed to admit that we don't feel, I mean, I don't know that I was able to do this at 18, even though I'm tr really trying to do it now where it's, it's so much about ego and competitiveness and, uh, you know, trying to get to the top of the pile, so to speak top of the mountain on your team or whatever. It's like to also say that I have doubts going into games or 
uh, I'm nervous before this shot or whatever. Like that's, I think we're taught not to admit, and maybe it's not right to admit in the moment, you know? I mean, there is some, yeah, you know, a, you know, like, right. Sure, it's not, sure. yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. But to be able to talk about it, I feel like that's, I don't know if you experience this with your work with teams, but like, I feel like so much of some of the mindset work is similar to what you're talking about, which is just helping people be aware, but also helping people understand they're not alone. You know, like everybody's struggling with this. And that's why your story is so powerful. Cause when you talk to people that have played at the highest level in the world and you say, well, they struggled with these things. And there's not an athlete in the world that hasn't, you know, if they're being honest, yeah. then you don't feel as alone. You don't feel crazy. And when you have those thoughts, you're not like, oh, well, no wonder I'm having these thoughts because I, I'm not good enough to be here. Yeah, it's so true. It is so powerful. Yeah, I think that's a big thing with mental training is making people feel not alone and not crazy in their own thoughts. Yes, I agree. And front loading. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, okay, I have two um, final questions. This has been amazing. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but if I was someone that didn't know anything about mental training, didn't, you know, wanted to be successful and listen to this podcast. And I was like, oh, what would Courtney, what's the, what's the low hanging fruit of mindset? Like, what is the one thing you would have someone do in their life or add into their life? Oh man. Good. I would say just if there's some, something in your life that is causing you to feel less than yourself or anxiety or whatever word you want to use, write down, I would do the control exercise. To me, that's, mm. it's tangible. It's simple. It's like, um, tell us, tell us, so break helpful. it down. If you're teaching it to me, I got my paper here. What am I doing? Yeah. So I would, okay. I would say, Hey, Linz, write down a situation in your life that you are struggling to feel like yourself in okay. or that you want to feel more confident in or feel more motivated or resilient. So, so you I write down, the, down, I write down the situation. You write down the situation up top. And then I'd say, okay, under that, I want you to write two columns. On the okay. left side, I want you to write down things I can control. On the right side, things I can't control. And under the can control, I want you to write down everything that you can do today, today or this week. Let's say five things or two to three things that are 100% within your control that will give you the best chance to get the outcome you want. So you're applying for a new job and you're really nervous about it. Cool. You can... Uh, make sure you exercise before the interview. You can study the industry and have three points you're going to talk about. You can call two other people in that role and talk through, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I can do all of those things today. Cool. On the other side, I want you to write down all of the thoughts you're having that matter, that have real consequences that are important to you, but ultimately you can't control. Mm. So the outcome how it feels in the room, the temperature, uh, who's interviewing you, what they're going to ask, like all the things that you're worried about that your brain goes to. If they like you. Then, yeah. Do they like you? Yeah. What did I just say? Was that a good answer? Was that the right answer? All these things. And then as a practice, like do that in the morning or at night and then rip the paper down the middle and just physically throw away the things you can't control as a way of saying, okay, all day today, my intention is Every time my thoughts wander to the piece I threw in the trash, I'm going to say, no, thank you. That's not productive. Let me drive towards something I can do over here. And you know, the research behind control, it increases motivation and resilience. Obviously, when we feel like we can mm -hmm. impact the outcome, it's like, I'm going to do more of that. Absolutely. And from a personal perspective, it's just, all, there's so much joy when we feel empowered. And it's so shitty to not feel empowered. Mm, amen. Have any hope. And we always have that choice. Yeah. So to me, that would be the let's do this for a week and just see how you feel. I love how tangible that is. I mean, I can just see, you know, imagine somebody in their car right now that has a job interview or something that's making a presentation or, you know, something that is causing them a lot of angst or anxiety or whatever. Um, and uh and doing that exercise and getting some real results okay final question yeah. uh what is next for you in the sense of what's the next area of growth for you with your mindset Ooh, that's a great question um i think the question that i'm 
I guess the work I'm aspiring to do every day is answering the question, like, where am I coming from? Hmm. And really coming from that, like, grounded, loving place as a coach, as a, as a partner, as a sister, as a aunt to these amazing little ones that I love so much, like, in these little moments, like, okay, what do I, where am I coming from right now? Because hmm. when I can, like, drop into that, it's like, I can connect better with people, I'm more honest with myself, with other people, which I think is great. Um, I'm more clear on what I want. So for me, and as a coach, like, am I coming from this like heady, is this good enough? Or this like fear-based situation? Or is it like, oh no, I'm really clear on what I want them to feel like today when I'm with them. And this is how I'm gonna go move through that. And it's, to me, it feels like when I'm in that, it adds energy to my life. And when I'm not in that, everything becomes like an energy suck. Does that question, is that, is that question sort of bring you into like the present? Is that how that feels? I'm just sort of yeah. trying to, yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that's a good way to tie it to, to mental skills, really. Yes. Yes. And I'm connected, I think, to the vision I want mm. for like, where's the meaning in this day or this experience or this activity like where's the meaning for me and the more I'm connected to that like everything is better and performance is better I think I'm a better coach I have more fun it just feels like yeah I think and then the other one um this might sound aggressive but I've kind of been into it lately you might laugh at this but I'm ready the you know the Buddhist tradition of meditating on death so that so that we live better this sounds very extreme to a lot of people and maybe it's triggering to some but for me there's just kind of an honoring of like we we really don't know what's going to happen and it brings me to gratitude it brings me to like making the most of things um so I've, I've been doing that practice quite a bit nothing too formal and then the third one I think is uh I like asking people when is the last time you lost your shit laughing like mm. truly. And when I'm working with corporations or athletes, I ask this because I know when I'm coaching or playing and I'm not doing well, I probably can't remember the last time I did that because everything gets tighter and then I'm doing more Then it's like, ah, it's all constricting. And so I know that if I'm not laughing really hard outside of work or in work, it's like, all right, something's got to change. So um, <laughs> Coming from the right place, holding perspective, and then laughing, which is kind of a weird combo, but I'm weird. I love so. it. It is. It's, no, maybe that's the perfect combo. It's, yeah. it's like everything we need. This is awesome. I am so excited for this interview to drop. I think, um, you know, like I said, you're my my first guest, and I oh, knew you would so knock honored. it out of the park. I knew you'd knock it out of the park. We always have great conversations. I know. Um, but I just want to. Like we could drop for hours. Thank oh, we you. could. I mean, I think yeah. This. Well, we'll have to have you back on. That's it. All that's yeah. all there is to it. Um, yeah. But I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your candor and your vulnerability. And I know there are quite a few nuggets that I learned, and I know our listeners are going to take things tangible from this. Not only just the understanding, but they're going to take that tangible exercise in particular that I love um, into their everyday life. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time, Courtney Thompson. You're awesome. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. there you have it guys the interview with Courtney Thompson I hope that you took away so many nuggets of insight I think Courtney Thompson in general is so vulnerable and insightful and and she studied and lived this stuff at such a high level under you know really the biggest pressure in the world biggest stages in the world and um, I of course really just love talking to her and I hope you try that exercise that she suggested about the controllables um, I'm excited to try it myself and some of my clients so um, I hope that you you got some stuff out of this some little nuggets some little things you can take away and try in your own life before I leave though I want to remind you that if you're interested in the Mindset Coach Academy, we've got some great things coming up. We have our certification opening end of February our applications. And we have a couple things coming up as far as if you want to get started 
We have something called the Ultimate Mindset Coaching Toolkit to get started working with your first client. That is totally for free. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's also on positiveperformancetraining.com. And we have our eight-day challenge coming up mid-February. And this is really for aspiring mindset coaches. If you are at all interested in being a mindset coach, if you've ever thought about starting your own business or having a side business, a side hustle, working with a few clients here and there, if that has ever been on your mind, you're going to want to go through this eight-day challenge. It is also free, but it's going to take you through eight steps of building the foundation of your business. And look, maybe you'll decide you don't want to start your own business, but at least you will know this is going to take you through that process. People love this challenge. It's really, really helpful. So go to positiveperformancetraining.com and snag your spot. As always, come over to Instagram. Let me know how you liked this episode at Lindsay Positive Perform. And please, please, please share this with someone that you think would enjoy it and leave a review. We so, so appreciate it. All right, guys. Bye for now.